Just before we get into this podcast, just a quick note from Henry and I. We absolutely love hosting the Badminton Podcast, but whilst juggling full-time jobs and bearing the costs of the editing so that we can bring you higher quality episodes and regular episodes, we would love your support. And you can support us through our Patreon account where you can pledge just a little bit per month that's just going to help the Badminton Podcast keep running regularly and to keep serving your badminton needs. So, when you can, please log on to www.patreon.com slash the badminton podcast, no spaces, and pledge a small amount. It's just really going to help us to keep this podcast going. Thanks a lot. Brought to you from Melbourne, Australia, this is the Badminton Podcast, a community for badminton players by badminton players where we talk badminton, celebrate local heroes, interview players from all walks of life, and push you to grow as a player and a person. Introducing your hosts, Jeff and Henry. Welcome to the Badminton Podcast. I'm Jeff. And I'm Henry. And we're the co-founders of Volantware, and we're here because we love badminton. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so excited to be here for the next episode of our podcast. If you want to find out more about what our podcast is about and why we started, please listen to our introduction episode. On this episode, we've brought a very, very impressive badminton player on. His name is Aaron Tan. He's a former national player for the Singapore national badminton team. He's represented Singapore in numerous international tournaments and multiple major games such as the Southeast Asian Games in 2003, 2005 and 2007, the Commonwealth Games in 2006 and Thomas Cup qualifiers. Ever since leaving the national team back in 2008, he has devoted his time to developing the next generation of players in Singapore. Aaron had previously worked with the current world number two, Shi Yuqi from China, when he was in Singapore pursuing his studies. He is currently coaching the Singapore National Intermediate Squad and running A4's Badminton Academy to nurture future players. Thanks for being on the podcast, Aaron. Thank you very much. So Aaron, we're just going to get started with a few basic questions about badminton. And the first one is, when did you actually start playing badminton? Well. As much as I could recall, I started playing when I was in primary school, um, which I was nine years old. So I was actually introduced to the sport by my father. So, I mean, ever since then, um, I've been playing, coaching all this while for 20, 20 odd years right now. Right, that's, a lot of, that's a lot of years of badminton, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, let me see. Probably around 24 years of um, playing, competing, and uh, coaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So you were saying nine years old. So was badminton your first sport then? Yes, it is. Um, in fact, badminton has, was my first and only sport back then. And um, it has followed me all the way till now. So, I mean, I've been grateful to the, to the sport that has gave birth to me right from the very start. And uh, well, I would just love to do as much as I can, you know, for the sport so that we are able to, to motivate, to encourage more youngsters to actually follow suit in our footsteps. Great. And you said you, you were introduced to badminton by your father. Was he a player as well? Well, my dad actually played badminton 
back in you know his school days as well. Just that um, he felt that um, badminton was something that could actually enhance my motor skills, you know, because the sport actually does a lot of uh, hands, legs, and eyes coordination, which was good for kids in terms of um, the development of motor skills. Therefore, I was actually introduced to that, and then eventually, when I went on to my teenage years, that's where I became a little bit more interested in competing competitively. And then eventually a dream to actually represent the country to take part in multiple uh, international competitions. That's great, Aaron. So why do you love playing badminton? Well, I guess the sport is pretty interesting if you were to compete at a high level because not only is it physically demanding, but I guess it's very tricky because you've got to constantly outthink, outplay, as well as to outmove your opponents. The on-court strategies are constantly changing every minute because um, both sides are constantly thinking of how to outplay one another and therefore it makes the sports rather interesting to play. Yeah, completely agree. And that's why we love badminton as well. It's that thing where we've got physical aspects, we've got mental and tactical aspects, and there's so much technical as well. So even if you're the fastest, the most powerful and the strongest, it doesn't mean you're the best badminton player because there's so many facets of the game. And that's why I personally really love to play badminton as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this sport is multifaceted, you know. Um, it's not just one factor that determines whether you win or lose, but it's a, a combination of factors that allows the player to be consistent on court and to win multiple matches time after time. And um, consistency is one of the key in our sports nowadays. And, um, well, we can't go over all the factors that you make badminton such a strategic and challenging game, both on the court and off the court, just from the strategy point of view. Yeah, we, we might have some, some uh, listeners that aren't, competitive badminton players would you be able to talk a bit about badminton strategy and how you would explain that to uh, someone who's just getting into the sport well i guess the most basic kind of strategy that one could adopt is to constantly think of how are you going to make your opponent run the longest distance especially the diagonal shots if your opponent were to hit a straight shot you might want to try to cross the shot over so that he, you make him run diagonally. So that increases the opportunities as well as a, the chances of going in for a kill. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I really like that. Um, yeah, so there'll be, there'll be a start for everything. Yeah, because we've got to start somewhere. And strategy, simple strategy is always the best because we don't want to be bogged down by thinking too much and not being able to play our natural game and, and our natural shots as well. So while strategy is so important, we don't want to hinder our, our unique playing style because everyone has their own unique playing style. We just have to harness that into a game plan, not really say that you can't play a certain way, but adopt that so that you can use the strengths of that against the opponents. I really like that. So Aaron, I know that we've already outlined a lot of the great things you've already done in your sport in terms of achievements. So we, we don't, I don't think we need to ask you about what other achievements you've done. So I'd love to hear from you, what's your fondest badminton memory? Out of all the achievements, all the teams, all the trophies, all the training, all the competitions, what do you feel has been yeah, the most fondest memory and you would never give that memory away for anything? 
Well, I guess it's the the camaraderie that we have during the training sessions when every member in the team just kept pushing to his or her maximum, you know, training together as a team, um, competing as a team, traveling as a team. That is one of the best memories that I had when I was in the national team. Well, that is one thing that I, I can't forget and I still miss to the very day today since I left the national team back in 2008. Well, I still hope that I'll still be able to travel and uh, compete competitively with my former teammates. That's great. And where, where do you play and how, how often do you play these days? Well, nowadays I devote most, most of my time to coaching given that the National Intermediate Squad trains six days a week and my academy training sessions happens on weekends as well and therefore coaching takes up most of the time. But uh, I'll spend some time from time to time playing with my players so that uh, I stay in touch with the game. Wow, it sounds like you spend a lot of time at the badminton court, Aaron. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, there are numerous badminton courts around Singapore. In fact, um, if I remember correctly, we have about 170 over badminton courts across the island. Badminton is one of the most popular sport in Singapore. So the age range ranges from kids as young as um, five years old to adults and senior citizens as old as about 65, 70 years old playing the sport on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, it's one of the toughest things in Singapore to be getting courts for coachings and even to play a game with, our, with your friends. Very booked out, is it? It is very booked out. Anytime after 6 p.m. in Singapore, all the Bampton courts around the island are practically fully booked. All the adults, you know, after the hard day at work, they will get down together with their friends or colleagues, you know, and uh, just play an hour or two of Bampton with one another. It's one of the most participated sports after running and jogging in Singapore. Wow. I can't wait until the day Australia is like that as well. <laughs> and um, you're talking about over 100 courts in Singapore. So for, for your coaching, are you at a particular court or are you at various courts depending on availability? Well, I'm at a particular court. Say, for example, the National Intermediate Squad actually trains at the OCBC Arena, which is where most of these national sports are gathered together. And that's where the, um, the National Training Center is. As for my academy, I'm actually stationed at the Singapore Bampton Hall, which is a privatized Bampton Hall owned by one company. And because it's privatized, the rates are slightly more expensive, but we are able to secure courts on a longer term basis. Therefore, we just have to pay a little premium for flexibility. Sure. So if, if I were a listener of this podcast and I wanted to learn badminton from you, Aaron, uh, would I find you at these courts? Is that, is that how I would get in touch with you? Well, you can actually, you know, anyone can go onto my website or my Facebook page, A-Force with a Z, you know, and you can actually find me on Google or on Facebook. And for those that are listening, A-Force is A-F-O-R-Z-E or Z-E. We'll have that in the podcast description as well. Aaron, so we know that badminton has been such a big part of your life since you were nine years old. 
Would you be able to tell us what was the main thing that you learned from badminton? What was something that has contributed to where you are right now? Well, I would say one of the biggest things that badminton has given me is discipline. You know, um, all these years I have been a very big on discipline. Whether I'm coaching, whether I'm playing competitively in the past, I would say discipline is one of the most important thing because as an athlete or coach, being disciplined, you know, it's one of the key things because you're not going to go anywhere if you're not disciplined enough to be punctual at training or be early at training mm-hmm. or even be disciplined enough to, to do your daily recovery after each training session so that you are all, you're always ready for the next training session or next competition that is up and coming. Even as a coach, I am a big advocate on discipline. I I, ens- I need to ensure that my players are disciplined enough to go through the daily routine mm-hmm. of warming up properly, cooling down, stretching, so that you know we prevent injuries, we prevent all the minor tears and things that happen during trainings, and also you know the recovery process of an athlete as well. Being very disciplined is one of the key to everything. Mm-hmm. They're doing well in not only just badminton, but in all sports. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think that really ties into the main topic, the main discussion of the episode today. And that is how a player would get the most out of their training sessions. And I know that it's probably a question that a lot of people might not ask the question about, but they might really benefit from the answers. So along with discipline, what do you feel would be the best way for someone to get the most out of each and every training session? Well, I guess, apart from just discipline itself, it's how one would perceive each training session. The ability to understand the objective of each training drill and to actually execute it perfectly like still you're playing a match, that would be the most important thing. Because um, over the years, I've seen players who take a lot of shortcuts during training, thinking that, you know, by doing things the easy way, they will be able to replicate that in competition. But that's not how it works. Because um, I'm a strong believer that if you're going to make things hard for yourself during training, when it comes to match play or tournaments, you're able to perform at a much higher level because things are going to be much easier because you you have already prepared yourself for the worst scenario of it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that as well. It's kind of like that quote where people say, hey, practice makes perfect, but that's just not true at all. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. So if you're not doing what you need to be doing in training that you would do in the game, then you're not going to be able to do it in the game. So some players that I know would say to me, hey, I'll try for that shot in the game. Training doesn't matter, but it does because the way you train is actually just the way you play. You can't play better than the way that you actually train. Yeah, I mean, I always tell my players that you reap what you sow. So what you do in training will be replicated in the tournament itself. If you don't push yourself during trainings, you won't be able to push yourself in competitions because the body and the mind is just not ready for it. Mm -hmm. So no matter how much you want to push during competition and because you don't do it during trainings, you're not going to do it in competitions. That's how it works. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. We're talking about training. So... What does training look like for you, for your academy? Like, how often are these players training? How many hours are they training as well? 
Well, at my academy, some of the most competitive players actually train about four times a week. So during the four times, uh, each training session differs from an hour to two and a half hours. That includes physical training where we go on runs, uh, we hit the gym a little bit. But most of the time, I would say 70 to 80% of the time is actually spent on court, honing their basic skills, refining the skills, and ensuring that they have the adequate ability to actually um, tackle the needs of the games today. That's great. You talk about the other 10 to 20% being off court, and I feel like a lot of listeners who may may not have been exposed to the, the sport of badminton don't realize um, how physical um, it can be, and that you do need that strength and conditioning off the court so that you can play the, your best when you're actually on the court as well. In terms of <clears throat> the strength and conditioning um, or the off-court training that you do with your players, what, what kind of things are you teaching them? So the players actually goes to the track. They actually hit the track and then they take long-distance runs. We're looking at anything between 4 to 8 kilometers of distance and sometimes even more. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, uh, we do short sprints that would actually strengthen a lot of the hamstrings as well as the quads so that you know it meets the physically demanding uh, aspect of, this, of the sport. Because why we do short distance and long distance is also because a game of badminton takes about 40 minutes to an hour. So the athlete needs to have that basic physical abilities to last throughout the entire match. And you need the short burst to be more explosive on, on court as well to play the shorter rallies. Um, apart from that, um, we do a lot of skipping. We do a lot of push-ups, bodyweight push-ups. And last but not least is a lot of the core muscles training, which is very essential in all sports, not only just badminton, because once you have a strong core, you're actually less prone to lower back injuries and mm-hmm. other injuries as well. Absolutely. So if that's kind of like a off-court training session where you have a variety of things when you actually go on court Aaron could you please share what type of things do you do on court are there physical sessions are there technical sessions are there tactical sessions speed sessions match play sessions what does the on-court session program look like for you well from day to day I mean if we're looking at the national intermediate squad for example from Monday to Saturdays these players train on a daily basis. So how it looks like would be on a Monday, it would be highly intensive multi-shuttles drills as well as some um, other basic drills coupled with physical training at the end of the training. Mm-hmm. Um, on Tuesday, we'll be looking at somewhere between some light skills to refine their, say for example, some of the net shots um, some of the backcourt shots as well that would increase consistency as well as accuracy on court. And on Wednesday, we will hit the track. And then um, before hitting the track, we'll do some match plays. And on Thursday, we're back to uh, multi-shuttles drills. And then on Friday, we'll be playing games. And then on Saturdays, we have games day as well. So on a daily, on a weekly basis, this is what roughly the national intermediate squad goes through mm-hmm. and look even if you have the if you have those six days of training planned out for the players is there a message that you give to the players before every single training session so that they get the most out of it because the structure sounds amazing in that you 
you're covering all facets of badminton and what players need to improve in and train in. But how are you making sure that the players go to training and give 110%? Is there a certain way that you encourage them to or tell them to or motivate them to actually take that on board and really exert themselves each and every training session? So even if there's a training session tomorrow morning, making sure that we do what we need to do today to 100% and know that tomorrow we can also give 100% again? Well, I guess most importantly is the team spirit within the team itself because if you have a team who's committed to training and pushing one another constantly, you, you don't really need to teach them, you don't really need to tell them or to push them a lot because they'll be pushing one another and that's what we're trying to build here in Singapore to build a culture within the team so that each player would push one another and to motivate one another. Right now, what we're seeing is because the National Intermediate Squad consists of kids who are aged between 13 years old to about 15, 16 years old. And, you know, sometimes these do get distracted a little bit and we just mm -hmm. got to bring them back. On a day-to-day -day basis, we do actually explain what each drill is focused on so that they have a better idea what they need to do so that we can maximize each training session um, to its fullest. Because if we don't do so, the kids will be just training blindly and um, mm -hmm. you know, you're just not getting anywhere with it, with it because you can train six days a week. Um, you can train up 12 times a week, but you know, you just won't be going anywhere if you, if the players just do not understand the purpose or the objective of the drills that they are doing. So I guess that is what we're trying to do here in Singapore. Exactly. I remember there was something that the national coach used to tell us back when I was training full time. And I, I love this story. I use it in all aspects of my life and not just badminton. And Aaron, feel free to use it for your players as well if, if you find it helpful. He basically said that if you had an ATM and you could go to that ATM every single day and take $10,000 out cash, would you miss a day? And the answer is no. If you've got $10,000 cash every single day guaranteed, if all you have to do is go to the ATM and withdraw it, of course you'll do it every single day. And the second question he said was, okay, if you go to the ATM and you're standing at the ATM machine and it asks you how much money you want to take out, you know you can take out 10000 Will you take out 9000 Will you take 8000 5000 2000 Absolutely not. You'll always take 10000 because that's what's available. And then what he related that to was training. You've got this opportunity to come to training every single session. And when you're here at training, there's no point coming here and taking only 90%. You won't take $9,000 out of 10,000. So why would you come to training and only give 90% and not 100%? And I think that was really powerful for me personally to just put an analogy to it because it really outlines that what we get out of training is really what we actually put into it. And when we see it in that way in terms of money, money is a no-brainer. You know you're going to take 10000 But when it comes to actually training and exerting yourself, then that's where we need to push ourselves and say, hey, we need to give 100% here because I'm not going to get this 100% back. Yeah, totally agree. You know, for me, um, I always tell my players this. I always like to use this phrase that, um, that my dad used to tell me when I was a little boy. You know, he always tells me that, he who cut his own wood is always twice warm. 
you know, and that has been ingrained in me for the last 20 odd years ever since I started the sport because with hard work, you'll be able to go further. Why take the shortcuts? Why go to a store and buy wood when you can actually cut them, chop them up and then burn them so that you get warmer because as you chop, your bodies get actually getting warmer and warmer during winter. You know, it's just one phrase that has been accompanying me for the last 20 odd years that I've been playing this sport. Yeah, great. I can really resonate with that one as well. Aaron, we've been talking a lot about high performance and national level. For someone who's listening to the podcast who maybe isn't that quite at that level, who plays more at a social outing, they love to play with their friends and they maybe play once a week, once every two weeks, what do you think could really help them in terms of their training so they don't have access to those sessions that we were talking about before? But if there were certain things that you felt would really help say, a social-level badminton player or someone who's just started, what do you think those things would be for them? I always believe that um, strength conditioning is one of the key things in doing any form of sports, whether you're doing it leisurely, whether you're doing competitively. Strength conditioning is one of the key things because um, when you have the basic strength, um, you're able to enjoy the sport without any injury. You'll be injury-free, right? The other aspect would be ensuring that you know you have the proper techniques so that you prevent injuries and you're able to enjoy the sport for a longer period of time. Aaron, is there anything else you'd like to add about how players are going to get the most out of their training session or how they should attend their training session, what should their mindset be, or anything relating to how they should treat their training sessions as well that we haven't actually covered? Yeah, I mean, I've been always telling my players, you know, Every training session or every drill that they do or execute, they have to visualize as though they are playing a real match. Say, for example, even though if the player were to do just a footwork drill, but he or she would need to visualize that they are actually playing a real match. So mm-hmm. that when it comes to when it comes to match play, they are able to replicate that because they are already sort of seasoned enough to to know how they should be moving. How should they be reacting to the shots or how fast should they be reacting to the shots and doing what is necessary, of course. Apart from that, every single drill that is being executed, they will need to understand its purpose. Like I said before, understanding the purpose and objective is one of the key things to ensuring high quality training because by doing so, that's where we are able to milk the full potential of each drill. I always take this analogy of NASA. You know, NASA astronauts go through years and years of training. Even prior to going into space, astronauts actually go into this thing called the underwater simulation, whereby they simulate zero gravity kind of condition, whereby they work underwater to simulate zero gravity so that they are able to perform the task that is required of them when they are out in outer space. So likewise in Banton, we should do, be doing the same, simulating match place condition time after time to ensure that we are always ready for all sorts of scenarios. Okay, great. I think that's really, really golden advice for someone who's yeah, basically training and trying to get the most out of their sessions. So Aaron, we've come into, I guess, our one of our concluding questions. And what, what I'd like to ask now are, what are three take-home pieces of advice or actions you'd recommend for someone listening? Well, I guess one is to ensure that you have proper warm-ups every single time to prevent any form of injuries. Two 
is to ensure that you know you're properly hydrated before each training session or whether even you're playing leisurely with your friends make sure you're properly hydrated three make sure that you are equipped with the adequate recovery stuff say for example the nutri bars or even recovery drinks to ensure that you'll be ready for the next training session the next day or even in the afternoon or in the evening so these are three main things that um, i really focus a lot on all my players so i guess anyone who's listening out there just apply these three things in i think you're pretty much on track Great, Aaron, I'm just going to ask a lead-out question to the recovery because I think a lot of people know about warm-ups, what they should be doing, making sure they start off low intensity, get higher and higher intensity so their body warms up with them. Now, with the recovery, I know you covered a bit of nutrition with regards to drinks and some bars to replenish the lost calories that we expended during our exercise. But is there anything directly for our body that you feel that is really beneficial, whether that be stretching, whether it be cold therapy, anything like that? I personally feel that um, apart from just stretching or using the trigger ball or the foam roller as a way to stretch and release the muscles from tightness or to get rid of the lactic acid in your muscles, the other thing is, is that you can actually approach a sports masseuse that could actually hit the muscles deeper to release the tension within. Because when the muscles are looser, the athlete is able to have maximum mobility on court and that leads to increase in performance on court as well. I think that is one other option that um, people can actually look at. Great, Aaron. Thank you. And finally, Aaron, if there are listeners out there, whether they're in Australia, in Singapore, in Malaysia, in the US, in Europe, anywhere around the world, if they do want to contact you for a piece of advice or maybe for some training or anything whatsoever, how can they connect with you? I know we've gone through the website, but is there is that the best way to connect with you just through the website? You can actually, I mean, anyone can actually contact me via Facebook, my Facebook page, um, A Force Bampton Academy. You can drop me a message. I'll try to reply as soon as I can. Or alternatively, is to drop me an email, which is available on either my Facebook page or my website. So just feel free to drop me an email or a, or a message, whichever is uh, more convenient, and uh, I'll be more than happy to reply. That's great. Thanks, Aaron. And thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today. Uh, there were so many invaluable takeaways from our conversation today. I think my main takeaway was just more about the mindset. I always love mindset and basically what kind of mental state do we need to be in to get the most out of our training sessions so we need to be making sure that we are working hard we are putting that bit of extra effort in and we're really understanding that even if you think that you can do it differently in the tournaments or in the competitions it's not about that it is really about what you do in training because that's going to translate the best way into the tournament when you're under pressure when there's loud crowds when basically things aren't quite in your control, that's when the training's really going to show through and that discipline really is going to help you on court in those tough matches. And like Jeff, what I really like about what Aaron has talked about is specifically the word discipline um, and how that plays into both your training as well as what you actually come up with when you're on the court. It's important that yeah, a lot of players that are out there might not be able to achieve their dreams 
if they don't actually put in um, the discipline into their training. And it seems that Aaron is, is creating a culture of discipline with his, with his academy and the players that he brings on board. Um, and with disciplined people that have disciplined action, we can really become very, very good players. So for everyone out there, thanks so much for tuning into the Badminton Podcast. We will continue to push you to grow both as a player and as a person with special guests like Aaron. Make sure you keep sharing your love for the sport with everyone you know so that we can show everyone around the world how incredible badminton is. And if you want to connect with us, you can connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and on our website, www.volantware.com. Thanks for tuning in and you'll hear from us on our next episode. This podcast was brought to you by Volantware, the most versatile badminton apparel you'll ever own.